Good evening. Good evening. Hi. There we go. Thanks. Hi, Michaela. Uh, well, my name is Shannon. I'm part of the, the, the staff team here. Um, a very glad servant of yours. Um, and I am so thankful to have the opportunity to introduce our preacher tonight. Not because you don't know her or she's unfamiliar to us. But because this is her last message to us as a part of our staff team, Kelly Kennedy and her husband Ryan and baby Cole are going to be moving to Texas very soon. So Washington's loss is Texas's gain. Look out, Texas, because Kelly is coming. Um, yeah, so let me commend Kelly to you um, by simply saying that. Kelly has been an incredible pastor and missionary at Western Washington University for seven years. I'm so glad it was more than seven. Eight years. And, and Kelly is a fierce defender of those that the Lord has gathered around her life. I know because she has been one of my fierce defenders in the years that I've been able to serve with her. When, she, when this lady says, hey, I've got your back, she means it, and she follows through. Kelly, thank you, a thousand thank yous, for your faithful service to our community. I'd like to pray for you before we, before you share the word of the Lord with us tonight. Ooh, I got through without crying. Kelly brought her tissues. Thanks. Okay. Okay, would you all... Whoa. She's got attacked by a microphone. Would you all just extend your hand to Kelly tonight? Father in heaven, thank you um, for saving Kelly and putting your life, your spirit, your passion in her heart for people. Thank you, God, for giving us the gift um, of her service these last eight years. And I pray, Father, that she would sense the anointing of your Holy Spirit, the spirit of power would well up in her, God, as she shares the word that you've put on her heart. God, may we sit up a little straighter, move in a little closer, because you have some powerful things for us to say, for us to hear tonight through Kelly. Lord, may we come with open hands, um, and would Kelly just give herself to you tonight as she always does, and surrender in obedience, God. Would you fill her with your spirit, pour yourself out, um, and give Kelly a great blessing tonight to take with her as she goes to make disciples wherever she finds herself going. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, some of you I haven't met yet because maybe you've joined our community partway in the year and some of you maybe saw me at the very beginning of the year. I preached a couple times and then I kind of disappeared. Um, it's because I had a baby, little Cole. I think we have a picture of him also. Yeah. With all his things when he's in his stroller. Um, and so I've mostly this year been hanging out with a few of the interns and then the seniors in our, in our community. So, um, so if you're new to the community, I'm sorry, I haven't met you yet. 
I can meet you tonight, and then we'll say goodbye. <laughs> um, so I'm excited that I get to preach tonight and that I do get to give kind of a final sermon before, before we move, um, because this really is my family. This is where, where I grew up in the faith as a student. Um, I came to college um, just a few years old in my faith, but not really knowing much about how to like walk that out day in, day out. Um, so this community is where I really learned how to do that. Um, and then serving on staff for so many years has just been a great joy and a great pleasure. Um, so I'm excited that I get to speak to you tonight. And I did bring my tissues in case I need them, which I probably will. Um, and I was given permission to kind of use this sermon as like whatever I want, my farewell greetings, my final greetings. Um, yeah, but I thought it very fitting that my last sermon gets to be in a series that we've been in all quarter called Rooted. And I find that so fitting because this theme of being rooted has been a significant one in my own life. And actually, it was a significant um, call from Jesus to be rooted when I was an intern and deciding what do I want to do afterwards. Um, I felt the Lord revealed to me that I had all this like breadth of experience, like a year here, a year there. Um, I've lived in different places, been on different mission trips, had different jobs, and the Lord was really inviting me to just root and plant and learn how to grow deep in one place. And I know that you could be rooted in Christ wherever you go, even if it's temporary situations. But for me, um, learning to root in one place really helped me learn how to root in the Lord and root more deeply in Him. So I love that my time on staff kind of is bookended with this theme of being rooted. Um, and honestly, some of the things that I would hope to say to you as my last final greetings are like very much highlighted by the end of Colossians and what Paul has to say in his final greetings. So we're just going to kind of truck along in Colossians like we've been in all quarter. Um, yeah. So to catch you up, if you're unfamiliar, hopefully by this point you're familiar with the book of Colossians. Um, but if you're new with us tonight, the book of Colossians is a letter written by Paul, one of the early followers of Jesus and a missionary. Um, and he wrote to the church of Colossae, to the Colossians. Um, and this group was a young Jesus community. And they were also kind of situated on a pretty busy like travel crossroads, trade and travel. And so there's a lot of different spiritualities, ideologies that kind of passed through there along with travelers and goods. Um, so this young community, there were some threats to them um, not focusing solely on Christ. And so Paul is encouraged by their like vibrant, youthful faith, but also sees these threats. And so he writes this letter to them to encourage them, to, to like spur them on to keep going, but also to remind them to remain solely focused and rooted in Christ and Christ alone. So that's where we find ourselves. And we're going to look at the final 
section of Colossians, Paul's final greetings and sort of his, his last instructions. Um, so the verses will be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, you can look in chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Tychicus, and I'm not an expert on how to say these names, so this is how I say them in my head. They may or may not be correct, but you can, you can copy if you're not sure. Okay, <laughs> Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, most often, I think, when we see these types of like lists of names, these sections, these final greetings. Um, if we're honest, I think a lot of us just kind of check out at that point and think, okay, whatever, Paul's just greeting his friends, but they're dead and they have nothing to do with me, and I can't pronounce their names, so I'll just skip it, right? I think we do that. Um, but what's exciting is if you search for some of these names in other parts of Scripture, um, It's really, really cool. You get more of a picture of who they are, and you can piece together their stories and the story that they played in the early Jesus movement. Um, And I think, to me, that makes the, like, scripture so much more exciting and come alive, and you kind of connect the dots between the things that happen in the book of Acts and the things that you read about in the letters. Um, And so... Doing this, like doing a little more research, also helps us know that these aren't just random names, but they're real people in real time and real part of history, and it just makes scripture that much more real when we realize that. Like these these are real people with real lives, 
when they actually lived and they were actually part of what was going on in the early Jesus movement. Um, And I think that Jesus has much to say to us tonight through this particular list, both to be inspired and to serve as a warning. And you'll find out. Um, So we're going to break it down and take a look, a closer look at some of these guys that Paul mentions. And I, I think of this like, whenever I think of these lists, I think like, okay, this is like Paul's squad, or his like SSI team, <laughs> like on this missionary journey, and like, okay, this person's going there, they're going here, say hi to them. Um, so this is, yeah, this is like Paul's SSI team at this point in time. <laughs> and, um, and if you were to look at all the names, which I'd invite you to do sometime, you'd find out that part of this early Jesus movement, part of the early church, included women and men. It included slaves and masters. And when I realized that, I, it made so much more sense a few weeks ago when Celine had preached on the different uh, relationships that people have um, amongst households, um, kids and their parents, slaves and masters, it makes so much more sense. You're like, oh, because there actually was all of that going on in this church. And all of the, those players, all of those people were try, just trying to do their best to love Jesus together with all those different dynamics. Um, but tonight, we're just going to briefly highlight a few of these names. We're going to look at three guys to inspire our faith. And then we'll go a little deeper into one to serve as a warning to us. So first, the inspiring ones. We'll start with Tychicus, the first one. Um, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. So a little search shows us that in Acts 20, he was with Paul and the others traveling through Greece and Macedonia. And Macedonia is where Philippi is. So the book of Philippians is like written to that group of people. So he was with Paul traveling through that area And actually write down Acts 19 and 20. That's like bonus homework for later. If you read Acts 19 and 20, a lot of these names that Paul mentions, you'll get more of their backstory. And I'll reference it a couple times, but um, you can read that on your own. Um, So Tychicus was clearly part of Paul's missionary journey, traveling with him. Um, And both here in Colossians and in the book of Ephesians, he was serving as Paul's messenger. Like it was Tychicus who was going to the Colossians and telling them the things that Paul was saying. He likely hand-delivered the book of Colossians, the letter to the Colossians, to them. Which that's a pretty important job, I think. (laughs) Um, And also, so in Ephesians, he does the same. In Ephesians 6, 21 through 22, it says almost the exact same thing as it does in Colossians. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. 
I am sending him to you for the very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. So this guy seems like a pretty trustworthy guy. For Paul to like entrust him, like I am writing these letters down to help the health of this church. And you are the one I'm going to have deliver it. Like that's a big job. <laughs> you got to trust somebody to do that job. And in both places, he is called a dear brother and faithful servant sent to encourage people. Like, wouldn't you love to be known as that? As a faithful servant who encourages people. Like, that would just be cool to be known as that. Um, I kind of think of Tychicus as like the David Nebel of the group. (laughs) Faithful servant, and you walk away encouraged every time you talk to him. Um, So that's him. And I would trust David to deliver messages to other people. So... (laughs) Um, so our second inspiring guy is Aristarchus. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings. And if you read Acts 19 and 20, you'll hear a lot more about him. And I like to think of him as the guy who Paul would choose to have with him, to like have his back in a dark alley. Because it seems that Aristarchus is like in go mode all the time. Um, In Acts 19 and 20, he was with Paul in Ephesus. And because of Paul's teaching about the gospel, there was riots starting. And Aristarchus was right in the midst of them. And he got dragged out by the mob. So that seemed, that's like pretty crazy. And now in Colossians, we learn that he's also a fellow prisoner just like Paul, in chains for the gospel. So it seems like nothing is going to deter this guy. He's like, it's go time, all the time, I'm with you, here we go. <laughs> he, I like to think of him as a Jeff Mumley of the group. <laughs> like, ready to go down fighting to the last minute, no matter what. Like, here we go. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, and (laughs) what? It's okay. It's okay. But you fight to the end. (laughs) Um, and our third encouraging guy, our third guy to, to model after, his name is Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. So we know that Colossae was his hometown. That's why Paul says, who is one of you? He is a Colossian as well. Um, And it's believed that some point during Paul's missionary journeys, Epaphras became a Christian, was trained up by Paul, and sent back to plant the church of Colossae in his hometown. Um, So it definitely doesn't seem like as glamorous, maybe, as Aristarchus's path of like, okay, all the adventure. This guy met Jesus and then was sent home. (laughs) But this might be some of your paths. After college, you might be sent home. 
whether by a real distinct call from God or if it just makes financial sense for a time. Um, Yeah, you might be sent home after being trained up here. And what if we had this kind of attitude about going back to our hometowns, like wrestling in prayer for the people we're going back to, working hard for them to help the church be healthy there? Instead of the attitude we often have, I think, of like, oh gosh, will it be awkward living in my parents' basement again? Or like, how will I relate to my friends when I'm a different person now and I don't know how to re-enter the church? Like, they're going to see me as a high schooler, but I'm different, I'm mature. Uh, I think we, we have all these thoughts and we kind of almost dread that idea of going back to our hometowns. Um, But my hope and my prayer for you is that you would be like Epaphras, knowing that the gospel changes things. The gospel can change culture. The gospel can change families. Um, And so when you go back home, if if you end up going back home, I pray that you would go wrestling in prayer and working hard for the church in your hometown, that it would be a healthy, thriving, vibrant place of faith. And that it wouldn't just be like a temporary, like ho-hum, second choice, but that you would go with great purpose. And so those, it was just a brief little skimming of those guys, but these are three, three guys, Tychicus, Aristarchus, and Epaphras, who are living out this day-in, day-out rootedness in Christ. And it transforms everything about them. It transforms their attitudes towards people. Um, It transforms the the things that they choose to do. And they're just normal, ordinary people that have been changed by Jesus and have said yes to him. There's nothing special, nothing different about these guys than any of you. They've just been transformed by Jesus and said yes to him. But I also told you that we would look at one guy as a warning to us. Demas. Demas is mentioned along with Luke. Verse 14 says, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. So that's all we get here about Demas. We just know that he was part of this SSI team, part of Paul's squad, um, and that he's kind of alongside Luke. They're in the same sentence. Maybe they're buddies. Um, Luke was a doctor. Big surprise. Says it right there. (laughs) Um, He also wrote the book of Luke, which is one of the four gospel accounts of Jesus's life. And he also wrote the book of Acts. So Luke is a pretty prominent character in scripture, pretty important guy. Um, And Demas was right there along with him. Um, but Demas is also mentioned in the book of 2 Timothy. When Paul is closer to the end of his life, closer to the end of his ministry, and he's writing to his dear friend Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11 says, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. And has gone to Thessalonica. 
Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So here, if you read 2 Timothy, Paul is at the end of his ministry knowing his time is coming to an end. He's suffering and lonely and people are, some people are leaving like on mission, but there's also Demas who has just deserted him, deserted the mission. And he's just wanting his, because Timothy to come, to come to him. But Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And to love the world can mean any number of things. Chasing after worldly wealth. Like you probably don't accumulate much when you're part of Paul's traveling missionary band. (laughs) Um, The name Demas also means popular. So it could be even that seeking after others' approval or seeking after a name for yourself. Or it could simply be wanting to go his own way. Like he was tired of making sacrifices for the mission, and he just wanted to to go his own way. Um, Whatever it might be, sadly, his story is all too common. The love of something else, something of this world, trumps the love of Christ, till eventually there is no love of Christ, and someone just goes their own way. And this isn't even foreign to people here in our community. Having been a part of this community as a student for five years, and then intern, and then staff for eight years, I've seen with great privilege and joy people serving Jesus well, long after college. And they're serving Jesus well in areas of politics, business, um, schools, as overseas missionaries, as domestic missionaries serving Jesus in their families, and so many other ways. But I've also seen, with great sadness and sorrow, people abandoning their faith, and their lives no longer having any remnant of a faith that used to be so vibrant in them. Even friends who 